0: Hello darling, this is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and
1: you're listening to the Midwest Monsters. Welcome to another installment of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by
0: Professor Wagstaff.
2: I'm Vinny, somewhat even Sam Venomous. Oh, (laughs) Venomous Vinny in the house! (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, Well, friends, we've got a fun episode in store for you. A little bit of a a roundtable discussion about a famous icon in the horror world. That we all know as Elvira, the Mistress of the Dark. And so we have spoken about her before, probably like seven or eight years ago. Uh, We did an episode where it was myself, Mad Chan, Venomous Vinny, and Hot Toddy. And there was one very sad boy who (laughs) didn't get to be on that episode, and that was Professor Wagstaff. And we thought it was worth revisiting just so that he could share his love for Elvira. But it's been a long time we've all had more interactions with her since, I think all three of us have read the book. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. So, uh, yeah, we've got lots more to share. So let's talk about the hostess with the mostess, our beloved Elvira.
2: So my initial experience with Elvira is back in the eighties with movie macabre after obviously his syndication, uh, So I I remember her in real time as far as that goes uh, because, as I mentioned on the other episode, my cousin Jake, who's two years older than me, uh, would sit in the living room floor waiting for one of her boobs to fall out. And my (laughs) Uncle Fred, his dad, would say, Jacob, that's not going to happen. We are little kids, by the way. Uh, Jacob, that's not going to happen. This isn't live. It's pre-recorded. He was hearing none of it, none of it, and was certain that if he watched for long enough, it was going to happen. So that's that's my earliest memories, and also I, re- I can remember people at school going, "You know, in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, that lady in the biker bar is Elvira." Very distinctly remember <laughs> that as a kid. So my memory of Elvira isn't right at the beginning, but pretty early on. How about you guys? Uh,
0: for me, uh, first and foremost, I'm delighted to do this episode. Uh, I was glad you guys covered it originally because we we were on kind of a rotating schedule at that point. But I was secretly very bummed because I, <laughs> I like I love Elvira, um, and so it's a topic I'm always happy to discuss. For me, I would be lying if I said that I was with. The horror hosting in the eighties. Uh, it was just a lo- just a pinch before my time. However, I was very aware of her even back then. She was everywhere. I know that this was reference on the uh, first go around with the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a pop culture icon uh, relatively quickly, and because of two reasons. And it kind of funnels hey, into hey. yeah, it kind of funnels into the sentiment for her in general, which is that not only is she beautiful. She's wildly gifted. She's oh, yeah. so funny. Um, she's She's got her timing down perfect. And so she was a great fixture on talk shows, you know, like late night talk shows. She constantly was popping up on those. She'd come out as presenter at different award shows. Um, and so between that and marketing in general, she was already on my radar pretty early on. Um, but with the movies and then the horror hosting came a little bit later for me. So I, she was always somebody I was aware of, but I fell in love with her
1: more as an adult than I did back during the original run. Uh, yeah, I don't need to waste a lot of time because my story mirrors yours. Same thing. I did not have much experience with her as a horror host way back when I just knew her because she was, she was Elvira. Like she's always been Elvira. Right. And so, um, yeah, she's just She's captivating. She's funny. You know what I mean? Like she, you know, the the, the blending of the, the, the goth girl with the valley girl and it's just, it's such a weird thing. And I really liked in the last episode that we brought up this idea of throughout the 80s taking weird characters and putting them in everyday situations and that was a big draw. You had Elvira, you had Pee Wee, you had Ernest. Um, it it may, may have been just a time and place
2: for that. We... Everybody in the 80s, the 80s was this, this cool time where everyone kind of played along, and it wasn't these actors. These actors weren't showing up at award shows, and the characters were. And we accepted these characters as these characters. In Pee Wee's Playhouse, Pee Wee Herman is played by himself. Yeah. And later with himself. hey <laughs> <laughs> But that's the thing. Like, in the 80s, if if Cassandra
1: Peterson or Paul Rubens walked by you, you would not recognize them. Right, right. Right. We but, know them now. But we,
2: I mean, we would play, they, society played along, like Buster Poindexter was a character, you know, but everybody played along. Nobody was, like, yelling their real name at them, you know, out from the audience. Like, you know they would now. If, yeah. you were, if you were trying to do this. It was a, a magical time for that kind of thing. And I think uh, I'll mention here also at the top of the episode, you can't talk about Elvira without talking about Cassandra Peterson and vice versa. But I think I'm pretty comfortable in saying that we're really going to be focusing more on Elvira in this episode than we are Cassandra. Sure. Obviously, it'll come up here and there, but really, the fo- it, it's, I'm, we're not here to talk about a biography of Cassandra Peterson. We're, we're here to talk about the icon of Elvira. So I just kind of want to put that out there now so people know what they're in for. For sure. Because I do want to take a brief moment to just sure. talk about Cassandra. Because mm-hmm. she's
1: fascinating. Yeah, she Absolutely. Is. She is. But before I do that, um, so beyond that early experience um, with Elvira and her just being part of the public culture... Um, professor and i when we had our first house together in college mm-hmm. um someone had given us a coors light cardboard standee of, i bet you wish you still had that now Oh man i do yeah. I, I even hit up one of my old room because i took it with me to my next house and it got left there it was probably still in the closet when they sold that house you know and i'm like oh, i still wish i had that but it was a coors light standee mm-hmm. of elmira because um, she was the halloween yeah mascot for them until they screwed her over and then um Yeah, and just how much she's influenced so many things. Like, you know, my wife and I went as Elvira and the Coors Light Wolf for Christmas. Yeah. We showed up on Christmas morning. People were very confused. No, for Halloween one year. We still should have won the costume contest, but I'm not bitter about it at all. So, um, yeah. So do do we just want to hit some beats about Cassandra, maybe her early life at all? I, that's fine. I it, do want to add. Just because we read the book. Yeah, okay, sure. Say, I want to
0: add something real quick to what you're talking about with the characters and everyday situations. Because um, I want to make sure I don't forget it. There's an interesting dynamic, specifically with like the people you mentioned in that era, that bridges generations in a way that not a lot of other comedy from that time does there's things that are very distinctly like Brat Pack and those things that are eighties, but there's something about these characters that were so involved that tapped into old school comedy. Also, mm-hmm. uh, Peewee, certainly, you know, we talked with, with all of them. There's a, there's this thing where you can talk to people who are much older. That's that like them too, because they tapped
2: into, I didn't think about that, but I agree with you because there is a certain level of, uh, Martin and Lewis, Abbott and Costello yes. were famous, and while they were using their real names, they were very much caricatures of themselves. Sure.
0: and they were trained in the late 70s, some of them together, and they're pulling from all of these greats, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's kind of sometimes overlooked. They would be the first to tell you. Yeah. And so I'm not saying they're they're ripping anybody off. It's mm-hmm. just it's coming it's coming from a very classic style. Well, and it pulls but in from a very nos- new way.
2: It pulls from nostalgia as well because Pee-wee, you end up being like a, a kiddie show host. Yes, which was very popular in the 1950s, the generation when they were coming up. Uh, horror hosting was very big in the nineteen and the fifties is when it kind of got some traction sixties more later, but the early like Zachary's and things like that. So yeah, it did pull a bit from the nostalgia angle of things, uh, in the 80s to have these kind of characters. I didn't really think about that. Yeah. You're absolutely right.
0: Classic flavors, but they're complete own new reinventions mm-hmm. of them. So I wanted to point that out because it was something I'd really been thinking about here recently in preparation for this episode. Where I was like, holy shit, they're really tapping into a lot of older stuff, but it never really seems like
2: it. Yeah. So I'm going to take it from here. If you guys want to go any earlier, that's fine. If you have anything you want to add, go with it. But I, I'm going to start with Movie Macabre. Leading up to that, Cassandra Peterson has lived a a wild, crazy life. That her look, this book, Yours Cruelly, is a read this book. Oh, yeah, Uh, this is written by her in her voice. And I mean, it'll actually blow your mind. Her, her wit. It is so present throughout it. Her, her journey, humor, her journey
1: seems like almost bullshit. It's so wild. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was the point I wanted to make. And just anything bringing up Cassandra is that. So I had the benefit, like we we've got the book, but also we were going on a road trip, and I had just gotten Audible, and so we got to listen to the book read by her, which was awesome. And um, if you were to make a biopic about her life, it would look. It would be very similar to the movie Forrest Gump.
2: Absolutely. And I actually <laughs> yeah, watched... the encounters
1: are wild.
2: Charles Band has a podcast, which uh, you can watch this episode and many others on uh, Tubi. And I watched it. And uh, she said that that is a comment she gets a lot from people, is that she is the female Forrest Gump. Oh, yeah. And it, because it's just crazy that the people she ran into uh, also... Right place, right time. Uh, Being pretty in the right place at the right time is a lot of her life as well. And and I and I hesitate to say that because I don't want to infer that that is why she enjoyed the success because she is absolutely talented. On top of that,
0: yes. Do you want me to go through a few bullet points leading up to movie job that that illustrates this? Just because they're that crazy. Yeah. This isn't just like some local thing she did. Like, it's kind of mind-blowing. So she started out as a go-go dancer in Colorado, Colorado Springs. She was discovered at a show in
2: Vegas. But how old was she when she started off as that go-go dancer? I mean, she was young. Fifteen, 15. years
0: old. Um, she's discovered at a show in Vegas while attending it. She becomes a showgirl there when she returns after school. Uh, she encounters Elvis. Uh, there was never any anything shady there, as pointed out on the original episode. He always had his crew. She was underage, so... There's always rumors that swirl about that, but, um, <laughs> she's in Diamonds of Forever, James Bond movie in the early 70s. She's also at one point in Italy, where she is a lead singer in rock bands, and encounters one of the greatest directors in the history of global cinema, Fellini. She has a small part in Roma, with Fellini in 1972. Uh, she works at the Miami Playboy Club in 73. um, She's also in a movie, The Working Girls, 1974, which does have nudity. There's all kinds of debates on other things and what she was in and what led up to it. But she's in that movie, which is fairly entertaining exploitation, exploitation movie. Um, and then she gets into the training uh, with Groundlings mm-hmm. that leads to the relationships with many of the people. Yeah, I was going to say, that, that
2: tr- training with the Groundlings, what an absolute point in time to be someplace oh man with who all was on the groundlings at that time phil hartman yeah paul rubens john paragon edie mcclurg lynn marie stewart like holy shit it was,
0: uh, maybe five years ago i was visiting la and riding through with my buddy steve and we drove by the groundlings and i i wasn't thinking about it or planning on it it, it was it kind of just moved me because I just thought, holy shit, who always come out of there? Oh, yeah. Uh, do we want to mention Wilt Chamberlain the, from the book? That <laughs> I mean, that wasn't a big, obviously, bullet point to, to discuss, but there's some pretty heavy material there yeah. in the book about her interactions with him assaulting her. Right. Uh, but, again, the Forrest Gump comparison, not all happy, but, again, no.
2: Wilt Chamberlain, holy shit. She um, She ran into him in Italy, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And didn't he help her in Italy? Yeah, yeah,
2: yep. And then sullied that memory later right. down the
1: line, but right because she she had been robbed
2: while she was in Italy, and and it was it's
1: living crazy. in a house
2: where she was just squatting. There was oh yeah, was just crazy crazy shit in her life. So basically, uh, after Groundlings, she's kind of she's in L.A. and she's decided she's only going to go for comedic. Acting roles, and she's nearing thirty. And when she hits thirty, she's decided that's it. She's going to go get a straight job and and leave all these aspirations behind. And she comes home to an answering machine with a friend of hers saying, "Hey, I've got this. They're doing this thing. They're bringing back the Vampira show. Uh, they're looking for somebody to cast to be the new Vampira. Which, if anybody doesn't know, uh, Vampira was." What is largely regarded as the first horror movie host? I know Joe Bob Briggs recently had a, a thing on his show where he says he says it's Zachary because Zachary actually introduced the movies, whereas uh, Vampira really didn't do anything that had to do with the movies. She mostly did sketches in between. Hmm. I think we're splitting hairs at that point. I love you, Joe Bob, but I think you're splitting hairs. So, shoot, uh, Malia Nermi was who played Vampira uh, in the '50s didn't last very long it was on a couple of different stations for maybe a year at a time each but uh, you will, most people remember her from her appearance in Plan 9 from Outer Space Ed Wood's famously awful movie uh, she Molly Anermy had gotten a job as this horror hostess because she had went to a costume party dressed as Morticia Adams who at that point was an unnamed character in Charles Adams uh, cartoon strip and they saw her dressed like that and wanted her to do that on television. Mm. I mentioned that because that is interesting as things unfold. Sure. So, Cassandra Peterson goes in to audition for this. Uh, I believe they said that, uh, that it was because one of the guys had seen her at the Groundlings doing this Valley Girl character, and they liked this Valley Girl thing that she did. So she came in, uh, worked. I can't. I can't remember the the drag performer who who helped her develop her makeup uh but they developed a look and got there to shoot their first day this and malia nermi pulls out because they didn't cast who she wanted to be cast because the idea was going to be it was vampire's daughter uh because malia nermi by this point has i mean she's around the 50s but this is the 80s at this point and I just, as Cassandra says, probably had two teeth in her head at the time, uh, but I—I I really, uh, eventually, we're going to have to do an episode that focuses more on Malianermy. Like at least there's a documentary I want to do because she's interesting as well. Yeah. Uh, but she was very paranoid about people stealing Vampyra from her. Yeah. So she pulls out. She doesn't want to do it anymore because they didn't cast who she wanted. They're already dressed, getting ready to shoot. They're on set. And they said, you know what? We're going to do the show. Let's come up with a different name for it. They literally put names in a hat and pull out the name Elvira. Uh And then shoot the show. And that's 1981 Movie Macabre on KHJ-TV in uh, Los Angeles, California. Eventually, this catches on and becomes syndicated across the country, which is how I saw it in in the 80s at that point. I believe that ran from 1981 to 1986. Uh... Groundlings friend John Paragon worked with her on that as well This was her writing partner for a very long time Uh, You would know John Paragon most well as John B. the Genie from Pee-wee's Playhouse And also as R.J. Fletcher's son in Weird Al's movie UHF So he also plays the breather on some segments of uh, Movie Macabre. A guy who calls in from a phone booth and they've got him in these really thick glasses and Vaseline rubbed all over his face to where he's really shiny and greasy looking. Uh, I watched... Tubi has a bunch of episodes from the 1981 Movie Macabre. I watched The House That Screened. It's, It's so simple in its black curtain backdrop. That couch some candelabras and let cassandra do her thing. Yeah. And somehow this marriage of this goth character with this valley girl doesn't seem like it should work absolutely works. And you can see why it got picked up. And and of course again, you couple that talent with the fact that she was stunning. Yeah. Yeah. And so you the wit and the sex selling it was, a, it was a recipe that just worked for people. So if anybody wants to jump in at this point uh, with anything you'd like to add.
0: Oh, she's just a perfect example of you can be lucky, but you have to be ready. And she was. I mean, her her gifts are undeniable beyond her appearance. She is just she's so in tune with her, her comedic timing, her wit. She's hilarious.
1: Yeah, there's some quote about, you know... Uh, Success, usually, for most people, is at the intersection of preparation and luck. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what she had. Yeah. I don't... Yeah. Not much else to say, because you're right. It just works
0: for and some it, reason. And it shouldn't. Yeah. And it's all because of her. Yeah. That that marriage <laughs> of goth and valley girl is
1: idiotic. But yeah. It, it's not with her. It's fantastic. Well, it's funny, because when she shows up to the auditions, she doesn't show up in costume. Right. And there's all these goth girls there to audition... And she's like, oh, should I have dressed up for this? But they liked her shtick so well, they are like, okay, well, yeah, we can get you in costume. But it was the fact that she could sell it, even though she didn't look the part at the audition.
2: So, she gets this nationally syndicated spot as Elvira. And I may get the timeline a little funky here, but Molly Nurmi decides to sue her. <laughs> yeah. For copyright infringement for the character of Vampyra. Uh, Malia Nermi loses this because they're like, ah, you can't just. It's a, 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 a resemblance. It's different enough. It's not the same thing. You lose. But this would not be the last time that Malia Nermi is a thorn in Cassandra's side. And that's why I brought up earlier, Malia Nermi's Vampira was a costume based on somebody else's <laughs> right. design and creation. Yeah. So the irony there is pretty incredible to me that that you're going to go out of your way for as long as she did, pissed off and trying to throw wrenches and things that Cassandra does with Elvira when you based what you had off of somebody else's already created work. Yeah. Sounds like the entertainment industry. Yeah. Silly. Yeah, So uh, I believe at this point, after the movie Macabre is over, I believe there was another discussion with having a a TV series. I think NBC was the network, which ends up instead turning into uh, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, the theatrical release in 1988. And I think this is where the majority of people familiar with Elvira probably first
0: got on board. And and this is the gift. This so, And I know you would agree, as a, a big fan of horror hosts, so much of that stuff gets lost to time. You get this wonderful document that's holding up really well. Oh, yeah. Um, because you can still get a lot of her old horror hosting, um, but 100 years from now, this will be it. This yes. This is the peak. This is the most easily digestible hilarious fun content that you can consume for elvira i mean wouldn't you guys agree this is this is the peak for her
1: oh yeah this Uh, is the time capsule like if someone was like you know 20 years from now i'm talking to a young horror fan they're like i've heard about this elvira character she's popular she's on shirts she's on art still where what should i try first yeah Mistress of the Dark. And
0: so you'd have the better part of a decade of, of cementing this character, and this is the primetime arrival. Do we want to jump straight into the movie? Sure. Okay, so this came out in 1988. Um, obviously, you've got Cassandra in there doing her thing with her, her major role. Um, and then I'm not going to go through the cast ad nauseum because it is just chalked full of character actors. Yeah. There's so many Um Obviously, Edie from Groundlings Edie is, is, a, is a big uh, force in this movie. You got, uh, pardon my pronunciation here, Ira Heaton from uh, one of the Nightmare movies is a familiar face there. Oh he's yeah, the he's, the, he's the kid in the wheelchair from Nightmare Three. Yeah, and then uh, Jeff Conaway who was in like Taxi and some other things. Grease. He's yeah, pretty notable to face Mickey, there. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, there's about twenty five other. Who's familiar. the actor
2: who plays uh, Uncle Vinny?
0: You know uh, let me get one?
2: back to you on that one. Okay, because I've seen him in other things, uh, and and frankly, a, an actor of a of a decent caliber for something that that's being produced as a, I believe this is a movie produced by NBC. Uh, so, a pretty pretty capable actor for as silly as this movie can be at times. Sure, but I love that they open with Elvira as the horror host doing her shtick that she did on Movie Macabre. And then panning out of that once she's done, and I love, and that's where you where you get that she's not a person playing this horror host. Elvira is this character. Yeah, that's who she lives in. Yeah, that's who she is.
0: Uh, uh, real quick, the person you were referring to is William Morgan Shepard, who was in uh,
2: Star Trek Six, I think. Undiscovered country Clean on yep. there, there,
0: so, there you go. Uh, crib.
2: <laughs> so. So. You get, especially after reading her book, I start to, you're looking at it and you're like, oh, this is this new station owner who wants to get in her pants is very much like the, the shit she's had to put up with her entire adult life, ever since she, she blossomed. Oh yeah, I bet. Is horny men in power trying to, to, to get in her pants and treating her... Because you said she was a nympho, just yeah. things like that. Because because she is a buxom and beautiful person, and and can play this, people thinking,
0: right? Oh, because she presents herself in a, in that sexy way on screen, she must just she must just want a piece of you. Yep, buddy.
2: Yep. So I I. I Noticed that after reading that book a bit, a bit more and I was like, oh, yeah, that that's really pulling from real life in a comedic yeah. way, but she's had to deal with this shit an awful lot her, in her entire life. So, because she won't fuck him, you're fired. Your show's over. I did notice there's a talking Pee-wee Herman doll this time around that I never noticed before in her dressing room sitting nice. up on a shelf. I had never noticed that before, so that's a nice nod to Paul, who was a friend of hers. Um so she her big dream is to go to Vegas and be a, be a Vegas have her own show in Vegas, which Cassandra Peterson was a showgirl in Las Vegas, so there's more pulling from reality for the movie. Uh, but Vegas she has to have a fifty thousand dollar retainer before they'll let her do the show there. She just lost her job. she doesn't have that kind of money, but as luck would have it, she finds out she had an aunt she didn't know that she had, uh, just passed and is and, and is leaving an inheritance for her. So she packs up all of her shit and heads to Salem, Massachusetts to go claim, hopefully, a fortune that's being left to her. Anything to add so
0: far? Uh, Just every step of the way, her brand is just excellent. Uh, The stuff at the the TV station that we're talking about is hilarious. She gets out in her badass car. She's got the hijinks on, on the road trip. That's all very brief, but funny.
1: The funny dog. Yep. Uh, and I think she actually went to a town called Falwell,
2: which was intentionally named that because Jerry Falwell. As a jab at Jerry Falwell at yeah. that time was at his fucking peak yeah, of, yeah. of being an asshole, right? Right. And so she gets to this small town, to this town uh, where everybody's very straight laced. It's very wonder bread, uh, and what was it? chastity pariah is eating mcclurg's character's name which is fantastic (laughs) well
0: and like not to get too heavy in in the mud with it but it's such a simple fun attack on on the conservatism of of that era oh yeah like just in a community symbolically like you got her arriving and it's like the guys don't know what to do because they they find her attractive people know she's fun but at the same time they hate her yeah giving her hard time so
1: yeah i mean this is the original this is the original peak of fervor for the religious right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and especially having Reagan in the White House. And-,
2: and in her book, she, I believe she mentions that originally in that script, uh, the kids were not part of it. Mm. This is something the studio made her do. If you want this to sell with teenagers, you got to have teenagers in it. Which it didn't hurt the movie, but it wasn't I It didn't hurt it, and I'll be honest with you, would it be the same movie if it didn't have that aspect to it? Probably not. Yeah. I I think it really ended up working out.
1: Yeah. It's one for the suits.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right, exactly. Because
1: it it definitely feels forced. Yeah. But it works.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, throughout this movie, throughout it, uh, I'm not going to hit it beat for beat. Nah, But... The jokes are there all the way through. Like just Every time you turn around, she And she's they're got, timed out perfect. Oh, yeah. Yes. She's got great one-liners. And whereas on the movie Macabre, she'd throw the one-liners out. You were the audience, and you were the only person she was, inter- quote-unquote, interacting with. Whereas here, you see her say some of these jokes, and it either goes over people's heads, or uh, they're uncomfortable by it. And it also plays elvira and i and and i think later at least in my opinion uh it's not as even keeled but in this one i think it's just right the amount of she's also self-deprecating yeah she's mm-hmm. not afraid for elvira to be the butt of the joke which i think is is really neat i mentioned the previous show that we did this the one scene that always made me mad as a kid was when a uh, jeff conway tears old boys spider-man <laughs> yeah. comic in half and goddamn did that make me mad as hell when I was a kid because I was a comic book reader. He's easy to dislike. Right? Oh, and I wanted to punch him in his face for ripping on boys' comic in half. But um uh, and not, so not only is the humor there, but then when you start getting into the special effects, yep, those are fucking great too. Oh yeah, the makeup is top notch mm. on Uncle Vinny as he's transforming through the end of that. Like I just done and and it didn't have to be they could have really yeah. skimped on that but they so didn't. true yeah and and i think is another reason why this many years later it's still holding up
0: yeah i agree
2: because the special effects that are in that movie and the makeups that are in that movie are every bit as good as the makeups and effects you see in the nightmare on elm street movies
0: mm-hmm. sure yeah it's got a lot of great set pieces and little segments that are they they it never gets too repetitive. It never gets stale. Um, it's just it's really kind of paced in a masterful way that just it just lets her cook. And uh, spoiler alert with my feelings on the next movie. That's the problem with that one is they try and share the pie with too many other people. Whereas this, it's like it never strays away from this is her show. Yeah, we've got some good characters to supplement her. But this is Elvira. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a showcase for her, and and, it and it's the
2: perfect showcase
0: for her. It is like
2: it, it absolutely this is, this is a work of a comedic work of art.
0: And I think I said it on our uh, what we watch around Halloween. Yeah. I always kick off the season with this. Sure. this is such a fun opening.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's endearing. Yes. It's uh, it it just captures her character, why she worked why everybody loved her. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it was right when she was she had climbed the top. Mm-hmm. She'd had this great run in that decade. It's just a perfect document of it. 20 years from now a new horror fan checking out 80s horror because at that point it's going to be 60 years old to them. Oh god. <laughs> is going to is going to watch this and go this is great. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> it's yep. up there with everything else that was great in the era.
2: <clears throat> so I'm not gonna go any further with this movie i I, I think we've talked enough on it. there's nothing yeah to it's, go Yeah, it's on. just
0: a fish out of out of water story that you get her in this different place and it's about how she adjusts to the area and winning over some of those people yep. it's also kind of a kind message of the time without hitting you over the head that you know sometimes different is good mm-hmm. um, especially with with as you mentioned the fervor of the time and yeah. It's, it's just it's a fun movie and it it's is. aged really well like when you watch this you don't sit there and go boy this is 80s it's just entertaining yeah man. yeah, yeah it's it's really just,
2: good it's just fun so for this next stretch it's uh, mostly it's it's the Coors light at this point isn't it that's kind of what where Elvira is most visible like uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. ad campaign Uh Person showing up on, on on talk shows and things of that nature, making appearances like that. Uh, I, during the time that she's with Coors Light, I believe she's still doing the not not scary farm during October, oh, yeah. doing shows there and doing that kind of thing. She had at one point, and I'm not sure in the timeline where this falls, but there was talk of uh, another TV series where uh, there's two ants and a talking cat. And yes. And they're they're witches and blah, 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 and that ends up falling through. And then if that sounds familiar to you, it's because Sabrina the Teenage Witch ended up coming out with the exact same formula. So there's a lot of these places where right when she thinks she's got something, it's gone. Yeah. But then there's always something else there. It's just like when...
1: She finally gets kind of shut out by Coors, Mm -hmm. and she's not going to be their their spokesperson anymore for whatever reason. Someone approaches her about making Elvira beer, and she's going to be at the Great American Beer Festival in Denver, Colorado to premiere this beer, and Coors ices her out of the festival. Won't even let
2: her in the doors. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, there's just this... It's interesting, because for so many things that fall in place for her, there's also an equal amount of places where... She kind of got screwed over?
2: Well, like when the network was developing the little Elvira animated series and Malia Nermy mailed nude pictures that had been published oh, 10, yeah. 15 years before to the network execs. <clears throat> yeah, And then they said, nope, not doing it now. So there's Malia Nermy being a fucking asshole this many years later holding oh, this grudge yeah. that we Cassandra sh- got this success that she never was able to attain with anything.
0: I can't remember uh, how it came up on our original episode, but it talked about her being a hustler. It's really kind of important to point out that she did some photography with a couple when she was younger that was not what it turned into. Right. Like it, it was a much more candid situation that then got pumped out when she was a Once star. Once she hit it big, then they, they, they sold it. Exactly. And so this idea that she was kind of. Um, leaning into that angle voluntarily is false. Yeah. And that's not to say people who want to do that, I'm not shaming that, it's just...
2: She didn't voluntarily uh, ask to be published in Wrestler. Yeah,
0: Huzzler. it's really kind of an assault
1: on her that's then baked into her sauciness. Yeah. That's really pretty unfair. Yeah. Yeah, she never in her time as as Elvira ever voluntarily posed nude anywhere.
2: No. no. she. There was a time where... Uh, she was The idea was there to pose for Playboy Oh yeah And she brought it up at a convention In front of fans And they resoundingly did not like that idea And she turned it down And Hugh Hefner always referred to her as the one that got away Yep She's also
1: possibly on a Tom Waits album cover Yes Oh yeah she, Yeah. Even she isn't sure
0: She's not sure Is, Is it she, small, small Changes? Yeah Small not change. That I... Haven't
1: memorized that and
0: looked
2: at it once (laughs) a day Yeah, me neither So time goes on And she and her husband at the time Decide to put up their own money And make Elvira's Haunted Hills 2001 You heard that correctly Mistress of the Dark Was made in 88 Released in 88 Haunted Hills comes out in 2001 Lucky number 13 13 (laughs) years later (laughs) Uh, initial thoughts or experience with Haunted Hills?
0: Well, so I'm not even going to go through details in that. You mentioned the year, we're good. <laughs> we know, we know who Elvira is. There, it's not really worth rattling off the cast or anything like that. Other
2: than a uh, old boy from Rocky Horror and a shock uh, tree uh, riff raff. Yeah, yeah, can't uh, remember his real name. Rich O'Brien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in
0: it. So I'm. Honestly, I'd I'd rather hear from you guys first because you already talked about this and we're in agreement. And I'm curious, did a repeat viewing
2: change? Well, I I will say this up front. I I apologize because I did tell a lie on the last podcast. Uh, On the last podcast, I said that I would never watch this movie again. And with covering it again, I watched it again. So I lied to you guys. (laughs) I did watch it again. Uh,
1: Likewise. Likewise. But I can say with firm confidence... This time around, I'll never watch it again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. And and look, and I think this is where sometimes uh, there can be... You can be a fan of somebody. Mm-hmm. And not like every single thing that they've done. Sure. And that doesn't make them any less of a great. It doesn't make you any less of a fan Oh, yeah. Because something didn't hit with you.
0: Regardless of this movie, I think everybody sitting at the table is a big fan of hers.
2: Yes. And this movie just doesn't land the way Mistress of the Dark did. Not even close. Um, You're going to have much less opposition at
0: the table than the first go around on this. I will say, the thing that aids this movie more than anything is the limited nature of her movies. You only have two. And so a lot of times you get done with mistress of the dark and you have so much fun with that. It's not a bad thing that there's a second movie out there to, to have a little bit more if you want it, but this is a drastic drop in quality. Yes. Um, and I, to be perfectly honest, I, am not sure how far we are time wise on this episode, but I don't really need to talk about this movie a whole lot. The, the plot is, is not particularly entertaining. Um, it's and I I completely agree with what you guys uh, kind of leaned into the first go around, which is why place her in this period. Yeah, the valley girl in that setting, uh, the valley girl works. Period. Like we which, don't we don't need to do a Corman love letter.
2: And I I thought that maybe I have, after having read her book, uh, having read her book and her saying that you know this was her love letter to the Corman poe movies and this kind of thing i thought all right this might give me a different perspective to go into this movie because i do like those kind of those movies of vincent price stuff and this and that and uh still just doesn't work for me still just doesn't work for me i i think that where you had that balance previously of of uh how much elvira played the butt of the joke i she i think she played the butt of the joke too much in this movie um I, I can't I can't figure out exactly the mechanics of where and why it doesn't work for me. I have a
0: theory on that. Okay. It's two things. Slapstick goes out a little too much, but the main reason why this movie isn't as good is they branch out with the humor to other people. We're here for Elvira. Yeah. I don't need a ripoff of Milton from The Frighteners. I don't need screen time and and la- and devotion to the last for for people that are surrounding her the circling parts of the movie we're here for Elvira yeah this movie branches off way too much into the other characters and and a, a the setting all of it it's just it's trying to elevate it too much we don't need any of that and that's why it doesn't work as much because we're getting away from why we're here which is just letting her cook yeah and. It's not her brand of humor at times. Yeah. It's other people. It's just, we're missing the point. Like any devoted Elvira fan can appreciate that there's a second movie. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I don't hate it quite as much as you guys. Like, I'm not going to rule out ever watching it again because there's just limited amounts of her, and I love her. Mm-hmm. In terms of, I can watch old reruns and some of the, the spot stuff from television. But at its core, it's got two movies. Yeah. And so, I'm glad that there's at least a second one. But man, this is miles away from Mistress
2: of the Miles. Mr. miles. Yes. And it's, we're not the only ones to think that. It took her 30 years to recoup her money. Yeah. yeah. So the audience wasn't there. Uh, it's interesting.
1: There's There's the jokes that float around now. They're like, you know, if you went back in time... And gave a medieval peasant a nacho cheese Dorito, and it, would, <laughs> it would kill them. And it's like, yeah, no one, <clears throat> none of the characters in the movie knew how to handle Elvira. And so that makes the movie not work in the fact that, not that she's an outsider, it's that she's from a different century. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it works in Mistress of the Dark because she's just an outsider, but right. she at least she's from that time era. Whereas like she's coming in and she's like this character cracking these jokes, and it just doesn't fit the scene. Yeah, you know, she might as well
0: be speaking gibberish. They don't know what a valley girl is. The right.
2: the, the rebel quality is gone, yeah. and that's what worked True. so well with with Mistress of the Dark is that. She was the counterculture. She, yes. these uptight... I'm glad you mentioned that, because that's an element of her we really haven't yes spelled out. Sorry, go ahead. She was the counterculture. And that end of it, yes, she's kind of a misfit in this time, but she's not the counterculture.
1: Yeah, she's just like a harlot.
2: Yeah, because yeah.
0: At, at Peterson's core, she's rock and roll. Yeah. She always has been, um, and you know, the... Beauty and and the comedic talents and the performer, all that. That's all very important, but so is at her core. She's a rebel.
1: She always has been. Yeah, and so yeah, you're right. Good point. She's
2: a loner, Dottie. A rebel. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. So I don't have anything else to say about Haunted Hills. Yeah, it's just I uh, wash my hands of
0: it. Yeah, it's it's her set back in a different time. It's fish out of water, but. The
2: fish out of water doesn't make sense. Yeah, this is a fish on the moon. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, nine years later, uh, Cassandra Peterson decides, uh, once again, to finance herself and to create a new Elvira's movie, Macabre, which will be uh, sold into syndication. Uh, This doesn't... It just doesn't stick. Um, again, these are also available on Tubi, and I watched one of the episodes on Tubi, and you're you're still getting you're still getting Elvira hosting movies. I mean, yeah. if you're into that, which I am, uh, it's great for that. You, you know, you get her. Yeah, you did get you her- mentioned uh, the thriller video
0: series that she did in the mid '80s. Also, I did not. Which she there's a bunch of great spots with her showing up on talk shows to kind of promote it, where they did a series where. You know they were putting them out on video and kind of branching out into that market. So, mm-hmm. um, and you can track those down too. The, that It's like a string of movies that she did uh, for the thriller
2: video series, and I
0: think a lot of fun marketing for it as well.
2: So, did did you guys watch any of the movie macabre from the the twenty tens? I 2010s? I didn't
0: watch newer ones. I threw on some older stuff I had. Um, I
1: think yeah. I did. Because the set's just slightly more elaborate, right? Because Slightly more. we they've got like candy bars and stuff with the candelabra on the table. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It, it, there's a little more to the set, and honestly, I don't think there needs to be. Yeah. But I'm nitpicking at this point. Uh, I think Elvira...
0: No, I agree. You It always needs to just be
2: simple. Just Elvira hard. works best with that chair, yep. black background candles. Yeah. Because there's nothing to distract from what you're there for, and that's Elvira. Right. Yep. And then in 2014, uh, I believe it was Hulu who got a hold of her and they did the 13 Nights of Elvira Hmm. for a Halloween promotion and it's uh, her hosting 13 movies. I think mostly Public Domain possibly. Uh, I watched one of those as well. Again, you're still getting Elvira. The character is still intact hosting the movies. And then uh, the most recent thing would be Elvira's 40th anniversary very scary special special in 2021 on shutter and it's her hosting movies once again and was it four i believe so yeah and with her closing in on 70 years old putting on that costume that there's not much costume to it as we all know yeah she looks damn near exactly the same. That's why she's a queen. She likes to joke.
1: She likes to the joke. There's a lot of tape going on.
2: <laughs> yeah, and she a also says, you know, with all that clown makeup on. When we got a picture with her in costume, she looked great. Yep, yep. She did. She, uh... And then, of course, the book has come out. I don't know what year that released uh that we've, been, re- that we've been referencing this entire time. But, uh... Just an incredible life. Uh, it's, it's phenomenal. And this Charles Band uh, interview that I was talking about—that's also on Tubi. She was, uh, she's once again saying she thinks she's done putting on the costume, but then again, you never know. Uh, and I, I guess the the big, hullabaloo when her book came out. Which is funny because this is all you heard about when this book came out. Oh, yeah. Is that she has been in a romantic relationship with a woman for the past, what, 20-some years. And it's been a secret. And she finally reveals this in this book. And it is literally, like, part of the last chapter of her book. Yeah. That it's even talked about. And I know that they... uh, kept it secret for a long time because they didn't know how the fan base would react and things like that, which number one, I think a lot of Elvira's, uh, audience has been in the gay community for a long, long time. I made that point on
1: the previous episode that like, you know, there, there were, there were few bigger icons in the gay community or drag community than, than Elvira and Dolly Parton. Yeah. You know what I mean? And
2: so, yeah, it's, it's interesting that she, she had that fan base. And I, I for one would like to say, who gives a shit? Like it didn't. That revelation didn't affect me in the fucking least. And anybody who it did affect, which clearly uh, has not affected the Phantom, fuck them anyway. I was going to say, let's be honest. The people
0: that, that affected were never watching what she actually made anyway. Yeah, right? I'm it sure. Was,
1: I'm sure Ben Shapiro was very upset. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say
0: the people that are upset about that weren't turn, tuning into her shows or movies. Yeah. Because I remember seeing it and. Or the news of that and them just kind of making it viral around the book and all that. And I remember thinking to myself, good for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I remember thinking, too, it's a bummer that if they felt like they had to keep that quiet for 20 years, yes. but I'm glad that it's at least an era where
2: now they can just sit yeah, and move on. It, it absolutely affected my love for Elvira in the fucking zero. Zero. Yeah. Had yeah. no impact whatsoever, and the only yeah. thing I took away from it was, I'm glad she finally gets to live her well, truth her openly. Self. Yeah. Like, yeah. right, yeah. If you were watching movie <laughs>
1: Macab because you thought you were going to bang her, uh, yeah, now you don't have a chance. Is why you stop Like, sorry, don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Well, it is funny too because there was a lot of jokes and speculation up to the time because her partner was like one of her handlers at all the cons. Oh yeah, and they're like, that lady will eyeball you if you go oh, yeah. too friendly with her I, liar.
0: I remember yeah i remember yeah. being like and i mean i was i was just waiting in line like normal but i, I was like uh, uh, handler's a little intimidating over yeah that.
1: t t yeah yep. very intimidating and yeah. because and she was like elvira's like personal like fitness trainer or like self-defense or something like that camera is in the book yeah,
2: yeah. um and but, then after cassandra was divorced uh i think she said t ended up showing up at her house one time needed and let her stay and and she'd never been in a same sexual sex relationship her entire life yeah but just felt this attraction i also on that charles band interview she said she jokingly tells people she got with t because she ran out of guys to fuck
1: (laughs) (laughs) well she also kind of
2: half jokes too
1: that that t was a good babysitter
2: Yeah, like, and she said she also in that Charles Bain interview says you know that uh, whereas she had never been in a same sex relationship before that T was and is very androgynous. Yeah, she said has that she even said the Mick Jagger, uh, David Bowie androgynous quality mm-hmm. about her. But I just thought it was funny. She said she jokingly says she ran out of guys to fuck.
0: <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I I can remember that when that news came out and learning who it was. I'm like, oh. That's why she looks like she wanted to choke slam every one of us, we <laughs> yeah. joke, making yeah. sure we weren't pulling bullshit.
1: <laughs> but so, yeah, yeah, what a life!
2: What a life! What and a life I cannot career. recommend reading her book enough yes. to anybody. Like it's, it's it's a
0: great biography. Watch Mistress of the Dark. Read the book, then start looking for old episodes.
1: Yeah,
2: then, then, yeah, exactly. You'll be happy.
1: I'm a huge biography, autobiography guy, and it's, this is in my top 10. Yeah I,
2: yeah, I rarely read fiction, and, Damn. and this was right up my alley. And I think what I, cause I text you when I told you I was getting ready to start, I think I read it in a week. I mean, oh, I would, yeah. It was it's very interesting and just an easy read. And well, again, in her voice, it, yeah. that's what makes it so great.
0: Well, I could remember her sharing some of those stories here and there. And then when she teased that she was thinking about a biography, I was like, please, please do this. Yeah. And it was fantastic.
1: Well, and it's nice that the editors let her write it in her voice. Yeah. So many times like an editor's like, okay, I get that this is how you would like write a blog. Right. But you need to write it like a book. Neuter the personality. Yeah, and they, they just let her be her. Yep. Yeah. It was awesome. Fantastic. Right on. Well, L- our love letter is concluded. Yeah. Indeed. Elvira. And I won't even bring up the shitty Oak Ridge Boys song. <laughs> I I, uh, I listened to that old episode driving today, and uh, one of one of the times I laughed was when you mentioned that. <laughs> also, too, I also like that if you listen to the old episode, we, we called her Cassandra. Yeah. And she makes very clear. Right up front. up her book. <laughs> yeah. That her name is Cassandra. Not Cassandra. So our apologies. How, yes, that's just how we talk around here. So thank you, <laughs> Cassandra, for correcting us very gently. We won't make that same
2: mistake again. So And folks, don't forget, we are now available on Spotify. Yeah, yes. not
1: just Apple Podcasts. Yes, yeah,
2: so if you have friends who you think might like this who previously have not been able to enjoy our show because they don't have the Apple Podcasts, tell them we're on Spotify now.
0: I totally get that, too, because there's been times in the past where something's mentioned and if it's paying the ass to listen, I still don't listen.
2: Yep. Yeah, so, for sure. Check yep.
0: it out.
1: All right. Well, wrapping up with another episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I've been joined by Professor Wagstaff, Venomous Vinny. Stay scary.